Hello, everybody. Welcome to For the Record episode number 87. Welcome to my podcast. This is For the Record podcast. Um, don't know why I'm repeating myself so much. Um, happy Friday, everyone. Uh, tonight, Silicon Valley Comic Con kicks off. Uh, the first event, I believe, um, starts at 6.15 p.m., um, an evening with William Shatner. I'm so excited for this. Um, and Mr. Shatner will also be moderating the Star Trek The Next Generation panel. Um, the reason I'm talking about Silicon Valley Comic Con is because Shameless Promotions and For the Record will be out at the event all weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday checking out the event. We're going to have photos. We're going to have event recaps. We're going to go to as many panels as we can. We're going to walk the floor. Um, If you see any of us on our staff if you see anything in the instagram stories which you can uh follow our you can follow our instagram for and uh, for all of our information at shameless promo uh, or twitter at promo shameless i know it's a bit confusing sorry i'm working on getting the other handle back um uh please come and say hello um and come and check out uh everything that we're everything that we're covering essentially we'd love to have you in our coverage if you're a cosplayer if you are just a fan and just want to come and uh talk movies and talk comics and all all the crazy awesome stuff that's going to be out at this at this event this weekend please come and say hello uh this episode today was brought to you by audible.com your premier source for audiobooks to get a free audiobook and free 30-day trial of audible visit audibletrial.com slash shameless promo once again audibletrial.com slash shameless promo i'm so excited about this guest um as uh, we did, had Eric Israeli and the produ- one of the producers of the film uh, Survival Pictures: The Promise on the other day, and we got one of the actresses of the film to be on the podcast, and she was so awesome, and it was so cool to talk to her. Um, today's guest was the incredible. Angela Serafian, um, who is in the upcoming film, or not actually upcoming anymore. The film comes out today, April 21st. Um, she plays a big part of the film, The Promise, um, which is uh, hitting theaters. Uh, it's out now. Go to your nearest theater and go check it out. Um, if you don't know that name, I guarantee you watch Westworld. Um, she plays Clementine Pennyfeather. Um, and uh, when I was doing research for this, that was one of the first things that came up in her, um, in like her IMDb film credits. My God, she was so delightful. It was so wonderful to chat with her about um, her work on this film, the research that she put into this character, and just how, uh, just reiterating how important of a story this is, and just and and how fascinating it, it was. So I'm really excited for everyone to um, check out this particular episode in this show. You can also go and follow Angela on Twitter at Angela Serafian. S-A-R-A-F-Y-A-N. Um, and to purchase tickets for The Promise, go to www.fandango.com, F-A-N-D-A-N-G-O. I think I spelled that right. Yes, okay. Um, and then uh, for more information on the film itself, you can go to facebook.com slash thepromisethefilm and on Twitter at thepromisefilm. All right, let's get into this episode. Happy Friday, everyone. And this is episode 87 of For the Record Podcast with Angela Serafian. Enjoy.
lovely to meet you. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the first thing I wanted to start with um, on this is I, when going into it, I'll look up kind of what people have been in and things like that to get a feel of their yeah. work. Um, after Love this thing. And, oh, thank you. Yeah, this is... Um, yeah, I just uh, use GarageBand when I'm recording stuff. Like oh, this. cool! So, yeah, yeah, it's it's nice. It I've never up. used it. It holds up for podcasting. Uh, there's other programs like Apple has something called Logic, which is more like for music production and things okay. like that. But uh, this has worked beautifully for me for doing uh, just audio interviews and things that's like awesome that. yeah and you like this mic yeah it's actually worked really nicely um i've and you're close enough do you oh want yeah, to... yeah, yeah 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 it'll pick up because okay. i'll go in and i'll mess with it and it'll bring up the game but um yeah it, it worked good i've had people ask me why there's a they're talking into a robot but that's it's been... a robot <laughs> um i've had people a say snowball it. eyes yeah um i've had people say it looks like bb-8 from star wars it does um uh, I had some guy, I interviewed him, I think it was last month, and he's, I was like, thank you for being here. He's like, thank you, I love talking to your um, R2-D2 drone. Uh-huh. Like, That's pretty funny. It's <laughs> so cute. Yeah, it's it's really compact, it's nice. Um, <laughs> but um, I, actually kind of going off of the sci-fi thing, because I just said Star Wars, I had seen you in stuff like Westworld, and yeah. in, uh, I think... You were in like American Horror Story and in things like yeah. that. You had a little bit part in that. Um, yeah. I guess what's the biggest shift that you have to apply as an actress when you're going from a sci-fi project like Westworld into a film like The Promise? I mean, there's obvious. I mean, there's obviously different tonal shifts in the different kinds of projects, but what do you have to do to prepare for it? They're different. They they require different things. So, um, with Westworld, it was kind of like I would I would. For example, with The Promise, I, I, I was studying about the time, the place, what it was like to live in the villages, to know how the people functioned day to day, where do they keep their food. I, I mentioned this earlier about, you know, if you have things, you don't have refrigerators, so yeah. people would build houses specifically knowing that this part of the land was damp and they would make the, the walls thicker, so they would make it thicker to maintain the dampness of that of, of the space. So the sun doesn't get in so the temperature is cooler so that's where they'd store their food they would store cheese under underground because of the moisture so yeah. the cheese won't get ruined yeah. and and i learned how the people functioned in the villages so the women would together make bread for the week for everybody in the village everybody in the village knew each other the men would take all the sheep out for the whole day <laughs> and they would take turns from each family one man would do it on each day so the life was what was interesting about this role, Moral's character. Yeah. And having my mom and my grandmother as great examples of what an Armenian woman is and how that's affected me throughout my life. But in this particular role, it was, it was wonderful to kind of capture her innocence and to play around with being a true romantic. Yeah. Because I think she, he is not necessarily in love with her the way she's truly in love. And she yeah. waits for him to come back. Exactly. So I, I love that I get to play that, that part of what it is to wait for your love and to see him for the first time in bed yeah. that you haven't seen all this time. So it was it was fun to, to get that opportunity here. With Westworld, it's different. Yeah. Completely different because <laughs> the demands are so... And I feel like in each character, the character tends to tell you what to do, um, where to go, how what parts of yourself to expand what dreams to have yeah yeah for so, sure yeah 
That was, well, I think that going off of something that you said, I thought that was super interesting because, like you were saying, you, you liked playing the char- this character in this film. It, it's a different kind of, it's almost a different kind of romantic because usually there's the the obvious of two people who are apart, but then they're both, they're pulled apart by circumstance and then they truly want to be with each other. And then in this, it's there's these people, your character is very much in love with him and he's still he's not quite there. He's still got this thing. So I mean, that must make it interesting to play. Yeah, it's a complicated thing. Yeah. You get moments, very brief moments with her asking, like, what what was it like in Constantinople, for example? Yeah. And what, um, so you see that she knows that there's a whole world that she's not privy to. Mm -hmm. And, And if I could even explore even a moment of, that doubt of what happened there or or maybe not or maybe it's just complete trust that the man that she loves will come back to him and her and want her yeah so and i think that that part of it does develop like as they live together they do love each other Mm -hmm. so i don't think um it wasn't what the filmmakers necessarily wanted it was something that oscar and i had talked about yeah that we wanted that triangle to also go in the direction that he does love morale it's just not in that exact same way. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be, oh, I don't want her at all. Moral is just this kind of plain, boring girl that he's forced into a marriage to. Yeah. It's really about having that integrity of what that promise really is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's interesting. It's it's beautiful, and I think what's it's it's a really important. It's it's an incredibly important story, but the fact that you can have an incredibly important story and then have complex relationships and characters and it just emphasizes that and makes it even it makes it even more impactful so yeah i I thought that you did an incredible job by the way if i did not say so already oh thank you yeah of course um how did your involvement with this film come about and i I mean what what drew you into it my manager oh sorry my agent sitting over there is (laughs) melissa and she came across the script first and brought it to me immediately, immediately, and said that I had to make a tape in a matter of two days, and I really had to fight, fight to be in this this film. And so uh, I felt when I read the script that how can it be so perfectly timed, you know? I'm the right age, I really, really connect to this story with, because of my history, yeah. and, and um, I was ready, ready to do anything just to be able to be in a room with Oscar, to test which happened so to be able to then to play morale who i fell in love with um was a dream yeah <laughs> um well you were talking a little bit about your history and i did a little bit of research before i came across a tweet that you had sent out that said this is my family's story and there was a little video attached to mm-hmm. it um would you would you be okay explaining a little bit about that to people sure. who are going to listen to this? Yes. Um, so I was asked by the producers to make a little story about my family's story, about how we were affected by the Armenian genocide. Yeah. And actually that little story that I told, a lot of my family didn't know. So my grandmother, my mother's mother, had five siblings. And only one of them actually, who there are two that are still alive. My grandmother passed away last year. Mm-hmm. He was the one that told me the story, and the rest of them didn't know. Like, oh wow, nobody knew. <laughs> the deceased didn't know, and my own grandmother didn't know. But he was the only one that we I got in touch with, and my brother here, he's sitting here, Carvis. He he filmed he filmed it. We we did it together. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we so I learned about how they'd escaped, 
what the the events were that left them as orphans because basically my grandmother's mother was an orphan from the genocide just like the orphans in the movie yeah. and um, they end up eventually in Armenia as a family but it led them to Syria they they're not from Syria so they they were from the villages in Armenia as well and so we made this little clip to encourage other people to make clips to tell their stories about how their families were affected by the genocide yeah. Because it's interesting, because that's what we're left with. We're, we're left with these little stories that just go from generation to generation to generation. And you want them to stay alive, because it's still such a very controversial thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's, that's, that's almost part of the human condition. It's just to kind of just keep these stories going, no matter what, yeah. whether it's through media or whether it's through history. I mean, was it? did you come across, when you, when you were finding out all this information, did you have photos did you have was there anything any additional material I guess that kind of came with it uh, there wasn't any just the oldest photos of them the very first with my grandmother being so little so they didn't everything that they had was destroyed in in the time when they ran away so there's nothing left so they have to basically start anew yeah and um so but we had them we had these albums at my house and we were going through the pictures and it was really wonderful to kind of yeah. see how the family grew they took a picture in front of this church and you saw oh wow this is what the family's become so we we thought we'd incorporate it it, it made it a lot more personal than just me giving out information yeah and i mean it's it definitely it makes a film like this way more personal than just a, oh this is a cool role this yeah. is to take on yeah. and so it's fun. yeah um in terms of um going through and learning about the history of this um, from, I guess, from your side of the family, what other kind of research did you take on when preparing for something like this? Did you, like... Uh... Like, I, I I really looked at the time. So I was looking at the time, like I was talking about the villages, and I was looking yeah, at yeah. the lifestyle. I was looking at... Um, so I, I went beyond just the tragic events because it's before all of that that they're capturing you know the lifestyle and the world that they live so that's really what i went to research and and i obviously had my my family my my mother as a great example of what that is and so she married fairly young and and had had me and my brother and so we kind of grew up in that environment and um so i think that you don't necessarily have to be an Armenian to play an, an Armenian role. Like Oscar does a wonderful job. Yeah. But I believe that when you know the music that they listen to in the church, Gomitas, for example, mm -hmm. it's something that's in your DNA. Like, just here, like, I get goosebumps thinking about it yeah. because he wrote for the Armenian people. He wrote music that was the soul of those people. And you want to hear a funny story about him? Please. Komitas, after the Armenian genocide, was sent to a French uh, psych ward, and he never spoke a word after the genocide. Wow. He was a musician. He was a musician that came from the church. So he never spoke a word. Do you understand? Oh, like, my goodness. And he lived, I, I don't know, how, for decades. Yeah. So. And he said nothing for those decades. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. And this man wrote for his people. So that's how the Armenian genocide affects people. That's what it does. He literally, I think it devastated him to the point where there was nothing to come out of it. The yeah. soul of those people had been destroyed. And so it's an extermination of, of culture, of, of life, 
of a certain kind. So, but I think it's universal. It could be, it could be Armenians. It could be any culture. It's just that condition of wanting to destroy that is the most tragic part. Yeah. Well, I think what's so interesting is that so a big thing was when I started this when I started this podcast, it was basically just a site that I was doing with um, music, and that was a big part of it. And then it started to branch into film and television and all those different sectors. But so what you were kind of saying about music and just how powerful it was, I mean, it's people will write I, the, the fact that a musician was silenced over something. It's just that that's I can't even comprehend that. That's yeah. just incre- insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like something has broken in yeah. his being that there isn't even a sound that he can make. Yeah, when you can't get a musician to express the soul, it's just, I, I mean, that that's so... Tragic. Yes, it's, thank it's you, like, that's it's, the word. It's basically, it's like living in purgatory, mm-hmm. I, not even purgatory, it's like hell. It's and, and there is this wonderful thing that I saw about the actual psych ward where he was, and it's so cold and white and yeah. you know it's so scary like for a person to lose their mind after what I think that's what happens with artists we tend to walk with our our wounds open so anything oh, that yeah. happens in the daytime it 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 affects us so so much because if you're just a civilian going by your day you don't want to you don't want to get affected by these things you exactly. want to survive you want to live but if you're an artist you need to be open to any kind of inspiration mm-hmm. any any human interaction and a lot of the time it destroys you yeah and that's it's it's almost like the catch-22 of it it's like you can you have this amazing ability to express these things and yet at the same time it can also have that ability to really emotionally destroy, uh, destroy like, you at the same time. Break you being, completely. Yes. Yeah. And, um, but at the same time, you're able to make this art and you're like, it's worth it. Okay. And, then, <laughs> and you get, it's, it's, it's that weird trade off, but yeah. I totally hear where you're coming from. Um, we're almost at the end of this, but um, I guess the last question I had was, what do you hope that audiences take, excuse me, how, what do you hope that audiences take away from um, watching The Promise after it comes out? Um, I think I think denial is such a paralyzing thing. You can't live life without really looking at what's happened. And this this is a beautiful story that is not only a love story but it's a moment in history that has been denied for so long, for over 100 years now. And I hope just like the journalists that I met earlier who didn't know anything about the Armenian genocide, that this will open eyes. This will do it in a, in a, in a cinematic way instead of it just being a, a boring history lesson yeah. or something that you just kind of forget. Yeah, I think that was the most shocking part of the movie at the end when the, I mean, other than the what was shown in the film, the fact that the, it was not the, right before the credits, there was something that went up and it just said that it wasn't acknowledged and it was just something that was very, it, it was just kind of looked over in history. And I was like, well, how, can, how can you look over this? How can you not say something about it? Yeah. And I, I was so shocked by it, but I'm very, I was very thankful as well that this story was being told. Yeah, there, there's this really wonderful quote by William Saroyan saying, um, it's, it's a poem that he wrote. He went to Russia. Do you know the writer? He was actually from the northern fresno area he's he's a playwright he he's a poet he's he's wonderful he he's worth looking at absolutely um but he wrote that he went to russia and uh, 
he just walked into a, a cafe or a, a bar. It just drew him in and he knew that the man across from him was Armenian and they didn't even have to speak the same language. Wow. He just felt it. And he would say, and I can't quote him exactly, but he said, you know, you might want to destroy us. You would want to tear us apart, but we will still be here yeah. in the end. And so, but he says it so eloquently and beautifully, like <laughs> what I just did, did not do it justice. No, so it's, it's worth, worth looking at that poem. Absolutely. That wrote. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, Angela, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure thank to you. speak Thank you. It was a pleasure you. to meet thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. And we're done.